Thanks for tuning in to the HR Uprising podcast. I'm your host, Lucinda Carney. The HR Uprising is focused on helping forward-thinking people professionals deliver real lasting value in their organizations. I'm a chartered psychologist, speaker, and trainer, and recently authored the best-selling business book, How to Be a Change Superhero. My day job is founder and CEO of software and training business Actus. This gives me the opportunity to work with other businesses like yours. We are focused on building a better workplace for people wherever they are located with the help of our performance, learning and talent management software and our training and consultancy services. Every week on the podcast, I will be covering different topics and challenges joined by relevant experts and real life people professionals. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really hope you enjoy and get value from this week's episode. Hello and welcome to our third episode in this three-part series of Rethinking Performance Appraisal or Performance Reviews. And we've talked about how you can review your performance management process in the context of your organisation. We've also talked about what really works in terms of performance management, the evidence in that area. And as I said last week, all of this points towards an approach that's much more goal and feedback focused with a continuous flow of conversation throughout the year as opposed to a purely annual focus. So with that in mind, how practically can we implement something which is a continuous performance management process or an agile performance management process, if you want to label it that way, and make it stick, make it actually work? So I've got uh, six points here that um, I'll talk around to give us a structure to this episode. And again, hopefully they're really quite practical. I've done something similar um, in the past, so I'll also reference you back to other content and papers that we've got that you can download. As ever, just go to the HR Uprising um, episode page if you want to download any of the things I'm referring to or Actus. Um, There's downloads and white papers there that are related to this. So the six things that I'm going to talk around in this episode are, first of all, the importance of the overall strategy and purpose. And this is because really what we're talking about here is a culture change, um, a change initiative. And in order to do that, we need to think about why we're doing it. So we need to link to our strategy and purpose. Uh, I talked about that a little bit in the first episode. We also need to think about the what's in it for me. And this is, again, something that I've referred to before, but the subtle difference here is us thinking about how we're going to communicate it. Because a lot of implementing a new process is about managing change or implementing change. And we have to motivate people to want to do it. So defining the the link to the goals, the strategy, the what's in it for me, then you need to be really clear about what's expected. There's no point leaving it open. I've alluded to this over and over really. You leave it open, nothing happens. So we need to be clear about the expectations, but we want to make sure they're realistic. Then we need to make sure that it's not just top down. This is something we haven't talked about in detail in the previous episodes. For me, it's one of the key differences. We need to make this a two-way process so that lots but so that both managers and individuals have a vested interest in making it work then i would recommend you want to align support and training with any new skills that are in place because that will help teach people not just what to do but how to do it well and the better it's done the better the process will be reinforced people get the benefit out of it and they see the value 
And then finally, make sure that you take it to the next stage in terms of delivering the consequences, fitting this within your overall organizational development strategy, whether it's talent, um, retention, uh, development, making sure that it isn't a standalone performance management process in its own right. It links back to this purpose, the outcomes that you defined in the first place actually are delivered. So it needs to flow through and probably be something iterative that you can build on year on year. So taking each one in turn, the first point I'm talking about here, strategy and purpose. I've talked about this being an element of, of culture change. In episode one of this series, I talked about making sure you understand what the real purpose of performance management is in your organisation. So it may be about retention. It's really saying thinking what people, problems, challenges or opportunities do you have in your organisation that a specifically um, well-managed performance management process could support? or currently the way it's working is maybe it's negatively adding to it. So if you are having problems with people leaving, think about how your performance management process could be engaging people so that they feel they want to stay and they feel valued. Uh, if it's something, and, and of course you need to understand why they're leaving in terms of that, are they leaving because they don't subscribe to the overall company vision, in which case maybe they need to have goals that are aligned with the vision and that's better communicated. Are they leaving because their managers uh, do a bad job with the appraisal or their managers don't talk to them at all, in which case um, we need to talk to and educate our managers as to how to do it. But fundamentally thinking about how does this fit into the overall strategy because you need to communicate that. This is the why that we're going to communicate to people as why they need to behave differently. So, um, you know, if your line managers aren't motivated to uh, have quality conversations, they don't then, if, if they are feeling the pain of people leaving, then that will help them realise why they need to do it. So it's making it very clear to those people who need to change their behaviour, typically the line managers, why they need to behave differently to motivate that change, because it may be a little bit painful for them. Um, and so with motivating that change in terms of thinking, all right, so it's not going to be once a year process. Actually, we want you to talk to your people monthly or quarterly. And the reason we want you to do that is that uh, evidence clearly shows that people who've got clear goals and regular feedback, and that is, let's say, monthly or quarterly, are much more engaged, they're much more productive, and they're less likely to leave the business. And we all know how difficult it is to recruit talent. We know how difficult it is for us to operate when we are operating at 70% of people, you know, when we've got 30% vacancy rate. So this is why it's so important that we have a really effective, valuable performance management process that everyone sees the point of. And if we deliver this in a really consistent way through the business, then you know, those of us in learning and development will be able to put in place uh, aligned development plans, career pathways, which in turn are going to give people opportunities and motivate them to stay with the organisation. So it's helping people realise the pains that they have, let's say in terms of attrition or lack of performance uh, that, that they're having, could be addressed by this, uh, you know, managing people effectively in the here and now. Now, some of that is linking into the what's in it for me, because as a line manager, if my people don't keep leaving uh, and they're performing at an optimum level, because actually managing underperformance is extremely painful and time consuming, then it's worth me investing my time now. It's that kind of thing of, you know, a stitch in time. If I'm managing people regularly, I'm less likely to have problems longer term. 
But then it's also thinking about how you can motivate. Point four is engaging and empowering other people, um, the individual to take a leadership role. So how do you motivate the individual to set the meetings with their manager to actually take responsibility for their own objectives, for setting up the one-to-ones to make it less painful for the line manager rather than it being a, a top-down hierarchical process. People are acting in a very much an adult way, taking responsibility for their behaviour, setting their own objectives, even providing themselves with feedback, but facilitating that two-way dialogue with their line manager. Now, if you want to motivate the individual, I would suggest that the points I made earlier about um, retention uh, of performing people is a what's in it for me as a line manager in terms that apart from the fact it's also a good thing to do and it's part of your job which is less motivational but more factual in terms of if you're a line manager your job is to manage people it's not just to do a day job and have people reporting into you that you never talk to you're a people manager so there is something there in terms of uh, you know sucking it up it's part of your job but then from the individual point of view, what's in it for them? Well, you know, is it the fact, again, t- telling people that if you can see this information, and this is where if you do have a system, it helps a lot. Uh, if you can see this real time, then you're going to be able to respond more easily to people's development needs. In fact, if you've got something where you can respond real time um, and see development needs throughout the year, then if you're in a learning and development role or your HR responsible for L&D, then that's going to make it easier for you to respond um, to the training needs potentially during the year, which may mean they're much more likely to be successful. And if they're successful, they're going to get recognised for that and possibly rewarded if you link to it. And again, we've talked in previous episodes, recognition um, and reward doesn't have to be monetary. Uh, If you do have something which is monetary, then there are pros and cons to that. I mean, it it varies very much actually as to who's motivated by that. And I've got a separate paper on to rate or not to rate, which talks about the pros and cons of performance related pay. I am noticing that fewer and fewer organisations are doing that now. And of course, many, many organisations don't have the opportunity to provide reward. But I mean, fortunately, not everybody is motivated by money. You might have heard of Hertzberg's work. It's back in the 60s, management theory, around the time of Maslow as well. Well, that research demonstrated that financial reward is actually a hygiene factor. And what they mean by hygiene factor is that it has the ability to demotivate if it's deemed insufficient, but it's not a long-term motivator. So pay rises in their own way don't motivate long-term. And you can absolutely see this in the UK, particularly at the moment with the strike action. It's the fact that for many, for many professions, the level of reward has got such that it's affecting their security, that they're not earning enough to, to feel secure. Therefore, it's a hygiene factor. And providing a pay rise isn't going to motivate long term. But what it's going to do is stop the pain. And almost you can't have the motivation until that hygiene factor is resolved. So what does this mean to us in terms of if we're in a central role and we want to move to this continuous performance management? First of all, we need to motivate it and we're motivating it by talking about strategically why we need to do it and individually what's in it for me. So we see the value of ongoing conversations in terms of providing focus and support. The next step is for us to be very, very clear about the process or expectations and too many organisations struggle with this. They leave it too open. 
Um, they might want to devolve responsibility and empower people to take responsibility. But then again, how do you, if you say we need to have regular one-to-ones, what does that mean? Does that mean weekly? Does it mean monthly? Does it mean quarterly? Does it mean six monthly? Everyone will interpret it slightly differently. And what's very important is being consistent. So really what we need to do then is think about a process, an annual process that will work well for your organisation. This is where you are the best judge of this, thinking about how your organisation works. Now, I'm not going to go into designing an appraisal process or form in this episode because I covered it in episode 73 and you can go back to episode 73, listen to that episode and there's also a white paper on it and an appraisal template. The crux of it is making sure it's relatively simple and there's certain design factors that I would put into designing your actual appraisal template. But um, what we need to think about here is how can we be clear about what needs to be done at different points within the year, within the annual cycles, defining a timetable. And I've done this with many clients now and I've found a model that works for most or is is a good starting point that people can adjust Uh, is where we have something where the content is split out. So if we took our worst case scenario of that 10 page appraisal form that is really lengthy and everyone's lost the will to live, typically you would have in there a review of objectives. You'd have a conversation about performance and performance attainment. You'd have maybe a conversation about behaviours or values or competencies. You'd have a conversation about what development is needed and you talk about career aspirations um, potentially and you can see why all of those to do well are really meaty conversations and they're going to take a long time and it's too much to do in one conversation. Uh, the other thing is if you want to look at uh, the evidence around this there was, there was something published by CIPD and it was called Could Do Better and they showed that if you combine rating performance, sort of performance conversation with developmental feedback. They don't sit well together in terms of people being open and honest. So the model that I'm going to explain to you, and you can go to the website to see a visual on it. If you visualise a clock face is the way I describe it, it's thinking something of an annual year round process. So think of it as a cycle, wherever your business year starts, whether it's April or January, doesn't matter, but your cycle starts on that month. And you can think about what you need to do at different points in that cycle. And this is a way in which you can make things feel clear to others. So I've just explained that we know that in a in a typical 12 month period, and off, all too often it's in one appraisal form, you talk about all those things. What I recommend is you split those out to different points in the performance year which will enable you to have shorter focused conversations. And that also means we can have that regular feedback. So it creates the opportunity for the regular feedback. So at the start of the year, what should you always do? Well, the the most important thing, if you remember what we talked about in the last episode, is goal setting. It's not appraisal, it's actually agreeing goals for what are we going to do going forwards. It's not just looking backwards on last year, and that's just like a culmination it should be. It's going, what's important this year? Let's get really focused on what we need to get out of and achieve um, within this, this, this 12 month cycle. And of course, those goals could be 
short-term goals. They could be goals that need to be revisited. They don't need to be 12-month goals. You know, just because we have 12 months in the year, whoever said that an objective ever magically lasted 12 months, right? They should be as long as they need to be. So you set those objectives and, um, and, and so that's the key, for me, that's where the process should always kick off. Now, ideally, you want people to have monthly one-to-ones where conversations about incidentals, you know, the day-to-day and an opportunity for providing feedback and recognition, which we also know are really important in terms of engagement and driving performance, those take place. I think then that in many organisations or most organisations, you could then have quarterly checkpoints and it lends itself naturally to that. So what's the most logical topic for the first quarterly touch point? Well, my background, as you probably know, is learning and development. I used to think it was ridiculous. I would get learning and development needs basically month 12. Well, actually, I'd get it a couple of months after month 12 because it's almost like shutting the door to the stable door after the horse has bolted what's the purpose the purpose of development should be for us to achieve our goals and uh, maybe deliver develop against our career aspirations so logically to me we could have a development conversation at the end of quarter one which means that if we are in a position to be able to support that development need during the course of the business year it gives the person a fighting chance of actually um, you know increasing their performance during the year So talking about development there, that gives a focus point for your first quarterly check-in. Then at the six month point, this depends on your organization, you could have another check-in or you could do a mid-year appraisal. I recommend a mid-year appraisal if you are doing performance related pay. And the reason I think that that's important is that you should give somebody an indication of whether they are on track or not at that mid-year point. You don't want surprises at year end. It gives them six months to pull up their socks. If you are not doing something like that, then you might want to talk about things like behaviours or values at that six month point, because then it leaves the end of year to be focused purely on performance against objectives or any of the above. But basically you theme it. So essentially what we're doing is we're taking a a two hour epic meeting that takes place at the end of the year. We're breaking it out into um, three or four half hour sessions. So it's the same amount of time overall, but by breaking it out, you're having more quality um, conversa- quality focused conversations on a greater frequency. So you theme the mid-year, wherever you think it is. Again, you're having ongoing tactical one-to-ones, ideally monthly. And then the third quarter, I recommend that's the one to talk about career aspirations. And I think it's quite a good time to do it because this is when you can see the people who are having a great year because it's you know they're already on track or maybe they've already achieved their their main goals and actually they might be starting to be a bit itchy feet so this is a great opportunity to think about where they want to go gather that information to maybe you know get them focused or or think about how you can satisfy their career aspirations in the following financial year um, and keep them motivated. And again, it just makes it a rich, shorter, engaging career conversation. And then finally, at the 12 month point, you close down, you do your typical appraisal, you, you close down the objectives that have taken place over the course of the year, you appraise the year, summarise it all, keep it high level. And if you've been talking all year round, if you've had those other touch points, then it's a bit of a doddle really. Um, And then you agree the objectives for the following year that can be in the same meeting or it could be in a slightly separate meeting depending on the timeline. So it's 
it's kind of common sense if you think about it, it just makes sense. But um, so many organisations have found that that's a really palatable and manageable way of doing it. And it's quite nice because it gives different focus to each meeting rather than people having the same repetitive meeting time in time again, which doesn't work so well. Um, and so you've got consistency because people are talking about the same things at the same time of year. Um, and it all culminates in a nice way of, of, of making it easier for getting that whole process going. But also, if you're in the centre, you're getting data at useful times. Now, of course, that model doesn't work for everybody. One variation on that that I found works really well in universities and higher education is that they tend to have trimesters. So they operate on a, a sort of three touch point. If you think of schools would be similar. Um, certainly in the UK, generally, generally um, we sort of break, for, you've got Christmas, Easter and summer. So you've got those blocks. So where I've worked with universities, then they've done a similar approach, but they have um, just had three touch points. So the first one would again, obviously be setting objectives. They then talk about um, development needs and career aspirations in that middle point, that second one. So that's where they get in and have that conversation. And then the final one is really all about the, the end of year review and looking forwards. So they sort of just concertina it slightly, but they group the development and the career aspirations conversation together rather than splitting it out um, like I have in the four um, point model. Doesn't matter really which way, the most important thing is you define a timetable, define a way, give people clarity about what needs to happen when. And when you give them clarity, it's much, much easier for you then to follow up and ensure, and make sure that there are consequences if people are not doing it um, and to empower people to, to you know, deliver against it. So that links on to my four, five and six points, which is empowerment, training and consequences. For me, empowerment, this is about communicating. And I did allude to it earlier in the What's In It For Me, which is making sure that you're clear about what the manager's role in this and the individual's role in this. So you make it very clear to everybody uh, that the expectation on the entire organisation is for a development review to take place between month X and month Y and to be completed by a specific deadline. So, you know, it's make it smart. Make sure there are specifics and there are timelines. If you do that, it's much, much more likely to take place. Everyone knows it's expected. It also means that you can follow up uh, and chase people legitimately if they haven't done it without being brushed off because you've been clear about the expectation. Uh, you know, this actually links to things like underperformance. If you think about the main cause of underperformance, of lack of performance, it is lack of clarity. So if you want your organisation to deliver this change, to, to do it clearly, then you need to define it clearly for them. So, um, so therefore, we, we need to tell both the managers top down, but also for me, tell the individual because lots of us have managers who have huge teams. And if the individual who, after all, it's their career, uh, it's their performance, if you can get them to take ownership for it and really communicate that this is your performance, your career um, conversation, you prepare it, you choose, you're entitled to having um, you know, a quarterly formal sit down with your manager and a monthly one-to-one, -one. but it's your responsibility to diarise it at a time to suit both of you. You know, you could say that, you know, it's your responsibility as the individual to make the notes, to update it and to come along to your one-to-one -one 
where you know what you want to discuss and it's your manager's responsibility to coach and support you. So what we're saying here, and you can go further with this, is defining what the roles are for both the individual and the line manager. So there is an expectation as a line manager that they will um, make themselves available for all these aspects of these meetings and this continuous process, however you define it, but you can put the onus on the individual to drive it. Because then, if they moan that they haven't had it, it's kind of, well, why didn't you make it happen? And let's face it, we want people, you know, we're, we're employing adults here. So we want people who have enough about them, say, well, this is what I want to achieve, this is what I think is important in my job role, um, and this is how I think I'm performing. That's what we want. That's the whole purpose of performance management. It shouldn't be a, a dictated process that um, you know has to be driven by the manager, in my opinion. So uh, I think it's quite useful if we can tell the individual that they have a responsibility and also this therefore gives them permission to push their managers. And you're much more likely to get change happening in this way because then if you put a report you can chase both the manager and the individual as to why something hasn't happened and it brings it together whereas um and, and you need to make sure that both that, that everyone gets the same message that the manager knows that they their team members um are you know expected to to make meetings with them and they have to make themselves available we've talked about empowerment then once you've set the expectations and sort of set, told people they're empowered, you might want to also provide training. Uh, and if you have this nice clock face approach where you're dividing out the performance management cycle into bite-sized chunks, whether it's the four points or the three points, what works really well is doing little nuggets of training at the same time. So at the time of year where you're setting objectives, making sure there are sessions on how to write good quality objectives. Um, and, and it could be online sessions, it could be drop-in, it could be formal training, it can be face-to-face, it can be virtual, however it works for your organisation. But rather than doing as is the old school way of going on a two-day performance management training course, give those bite-sized bits of training at the same time, just before people do the uh, process. You know, talk about coaching skills and how to develop people, provide training on that just before that point in the timetable. So people get those fresh skills at the right time. And again, therefore, you are not only encouraging people what to do well uh, in your timetable, you're also showing them how to do it well. And that's going to create more of a, a self-fulfilling prophecy because it becomes a better quality process. People are less going through the motions because you're educating them every time you do a bit of training about this is why it's so important. Uh, this is how you do a really good job. You know, this is an important part of your role and you're really looping it in. And obviously if you've got a system, we often do this with our clients and actors, we can show them how to use the system at that stage as well. So you can talk the why, um, how to do it well and what exactly to do at the same time. So aligning training throughout that year, bite-sized chunks works brilliantly well as well. And then finally, delivering consequences. And I mean that in a positive way, as well as a negative if you have to. So again, hopefully if you've got a system that you can see whether people are doing things or not, by dividing the, um, the, the process out, if you can't, if, if you're a small business, you can still see who's done stuff. Because you've divided that process up into chunks, you can follow up with people if they haven't done their development needs by XYZ date. You've got 
more than more time to follow up rather than just that once a year where you're chasing the appraisal. Now, admittedly, it does mean you are chasing more frequently, but then you're creating habits because people are having those meetings throughout the year. They've got these different focus points. And incidentally, if you're, say, financial services where you've got a compliance process as well, you can integrate this into the same process and make sure people are delivering against those key focus points at the right time. So the consequences there are you chase people and nag them if they haven't done something. Um, and you also have nice consequences for those who are doing a great job. So you recognise those who've completed things. You provide the training access to people who've requested it in a really timely fashion. If they've requested a certain career pathway or something like that, then people are included in succession planning or they might get access to uh, career educational conversations or even new roles or opportunities. So helping them see that by uh, modelling these behaviours in a timely fashion, it's enabling you as a, an HR, OD or L&D professional to respond back and provide positive consequences for them that will help their careers or their development in some way. So it's making sure that all of this ties together into that strategy and we don't just get people to do it for the sake of it. Actually, they do this and it results in something um, of consequence, hopefully a positive consequence. So those are my six points that I say in terms of trying to turn something like this into a reality. We talked about making sure people understand the strategy and purpose. They know what's in it for them. Being very clear about the frequency or expectations. So defining your own timetable and communicating it really clearly. Um, and that needs to have, I'd say, at least three touch points throughout the year. Otherwise, it's basically just an appraisal process with a once or twice a year. Um, you need to clarify what that, put, that that is and my suggestion is you break out the content so that we're not talking about everything all the time. You break it out which means in theory it's shorter conversations so you're not asking as much of the managers. You're not asking them to you know, multiply their workload. Actually in principle it's slightly reducing it maybe hard sell but possibly uh, you empower the individual to take ownership so communicate to both manager and employee what's expected and hold them both accountable that can save the manager time because it gets the individual to do more of the work and to expect it rather than the manager having to do all of the writing up um, and all of the labor intensive aspects to it think about aligning training because that will improve the quality of what you're doing and align it into bite-sized chunks so that people have the training just before them filling out that part of the process, which of course means they remember more likely to remember what they've learned. It's more relevant than teaching you something 12 months before you're going to complete it. And make sure this all ties into those actual consequences, whether it's following people up and nagging. If you've told them to do something by a deadline, don't let them go away with not meeting that deadline. Or it's about offering positive consequences um, for people for completing things within their deadline. So that concludes our three-part series. That was about how you can implement continuous performance management. I hope it's useful to you. Uh, there's loads of links and content that we've got on this, so you can go and download those from the hruprising.com or go to the Access website where there's lots of content as well. Thank you so much for listening. Do get in touch, rate or review, um, provide feedback. I really welcome that feedback. We've been going almost three years now, so it's so vital to me to know what you want to hear about, um, what you find useful, um, and what else you'd like us to cover and guests that you'd like us to see in future. Thanks for tuning in. 
I really hope you found this week's episode useful and enjoyable. If you did, perhaps you could recommend us to a friend or colleague or give us a review on your platform of choice. It really helps new listeners to find us. Now you can access links to any of the information mentioned in this show via the website www.hruprising.com. Further free resources are also available at www.actus.co.uk. There you can also find out more about our software and training solutions. Finally, why not join our LinkedIn group, The HR Uprising, to share ideas and collaborate with other like-minded people professionals. Thank you for listening to The HR Uprising podcast.